Hello, welcome to the Impersonal Opinion Podcast, the podcast where we don't take our opinions personally. Today we're going to be talking a lot about happiness, and who better to tell us about happiness than the guy who calls himself Blister57, uh, George Ortega. I'll turn it over to him and he can explain. Okay, thanks Chandler. And yeah, like just for, for some background on my, um, you know, my experience with happiness, back in the um, early th- 2000s, I researched happiness for about five years. I created this um, television program about happiness that basically just um, just it just explained the social science research on happiness to, to viewers. So you know, I, I've done a lot of research on this, but all right, this is about this is about like Aristotle said, you know, back in 500 BC or so, that. Um, Everything is a means in life except happiness. Happiness is the only end, meaning that everything we do, the, the, the ultimate goal of everything we do, and that, that, I'm saying everything, is about happiness. It's either about our happiness or the happiness of others. And um, Aristotle, incidentally, also said that happiness is the highest good. In other words, if you're trying to do good for another person or for another animal or whatever, you know, the best thing one can do for another um, living being, sentient being, is to help that person or, or being become happier. So, all right, within that um, context, basically I've been trying to develop a, a more effective means of becoming happier. Like, here in the United States, like, the average level of happiness is like 70%. You know, they ask people, how happy are you on a scale of 1 to 100 or 1 to 10? Basically, most people are about 70% happy. And that's, that's not, I don't think, all that, that happy. I think we could do much better. And so the problem, the problem is that most people believe that happiness is something that comes to us from doing something. In other words, it's a reward for, for like, you know, working on a goal and succeeding with a goal, or it's, it's a reward for pleasing people, it's a reward for doing various kinds of activities. And certainly, happiness does come in that way, but, you know, you know, even like according to the research, even the happiest people in the world are happy only about 50% of the time, you know, of each day. You know, the, the, there's about 30% of the time when, when even the happiest people aren't that happy, and about 20% were, were they're neither happy nor unhappy. So I think even for the happiest people, people can really, you know, use um, some help becoming happier. And so, like, basically, so, like, you know, these ways, like, you know, a lot of people are taught, well, you know, get an education, get a good job, earn an income, you know, buy a house, get married, raise a family, you know, do all these things, and you're going to be, become happy. Unfortunately, most of the, those things, the vast majority of the things we're told are going to make us happier, have a very, very small effect on our happiness. So you, people, you have people like working very hard for happiness all their lives, sometimes delaying it. Sometimes people say, well, you know, when I retire, I'll be, become happier. When I finally get this promotion, I'll be happy. And unfortunately, like, you know, for example, with a promotion, um, Somebody's at a job, I mean, let's say they're at a, um, a lawyer and they want to be promoted to, um, what is that, that, um, that position where they're, they're a partner in the firm or something. So they work on that for 10, 15 years, finally become a partner. One of the things that they've discovered in happiness research is, fine, that person might be happy 
having become a partner for, let's say, six months, a year, maybe a year and a half, whatever. But then there's this thing called the hedonic treadmill that, like, basically they'll, accust- they'll get accustomed to their new position. And so their, their happiness level will pretty much go back to the, to the same level it was before the promotion. You know, it's called the hedonic treadmill. So, all right, so we have this problem that, like, you know, these happiness methods are kind of, like, not very effective. Sometimes they call on us to do, you know, a lot of work that isn't really, you know, compensated with, with the happiness. So this is the, the method that I'm suggesting. It's kind of like going from indirect means of becoming happier to a very direct means. And, and it also involves... Um, a, a type of meditation called transcendental meditation. Now, there are various kinds of meditation. There's like mindfulness meditation where you just become aware of your thoughts or your feelings or try to stay in the present moment. And But this my, um, that's a good kind of meditation. But transcendental meditation actually has the effects, the same effects of these other meditations of relaxing a person, making a person feel better in general. But it also, like, for example, like uh, lowers blood pressure. It's, it's a more effective type of meditation. And in transcendental meditation, the, the basic um, technique is you, you repeat a sound, or it could be a word or even a phrase, silently over and over, and that's the meditation. Again, meditation is always about focus. So this happiness technique combines the effects, the very positive, you know, very strong effects of this transcendental meditation with the goal of becoming happier. Okay, so like several, several years ago, I experimented with this technique. And what I would do is I would say to myself silently, I feel completely happy. Okay, now that, that worked, you know, like, basically, our, our minds are like computers, like, for example, imagine, Imagine if you were with a, a, somebody who, you know, was with you 24 hours a day and that person was telling you all the time, oh, you're horrible, you're terrible, you're a terrible person and stuff. You know, chances are you wouldn't feel too good about yourself because this person's telling you this. Well, again, like if, if somebody was around you 24 hours a day telling you how great a person you are, chances are you'd feel really good about yourself. So this is the same with happiness. So like basically, you know, if, if one tells oneself, I feel completely happy over and over, like through this meditation. And again, like you're doing two things. You're both meditating and you're increasing your happiness. Then it seems like a very effective way to, to very directly become happier. Um, all right. So I was using that for, for several years and it does work. It works really well. And hold on. I got to like, um, um, I got a, my, my phone's ringing and I better not take it. Um, hold on. Trish, yeah. Trish, let me call you back. All right. I, I'm, I'm on a podcast. <laughs> oh, sorry. All right. Anyway. So yeah, um, I should have like, um, taken the, my phone off the hook. Um, so anyway, all right. So like, now this is about direct happiness. So basically, um, um, it's going from, yeah, from, you know, doing things to become happier to become happier simply because one wants to become happier. All right. So like what I've been working on recently, you know, um, so in addition, all right, first of all, I, I've changed the statement because like what happened is like, you know, when I say to myself, I feel completely happy one for one, it seems like I'm deceiving myself a bit 
because like I know I'm not yeah. completely happy. That, that's the problem I've had with those kinds of things when I've heard about that is like, well, I don't want to lie to myself, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And the second part is that it, it felt to me like I was cheating. I would feel guilty. It felt like this is too easy. I'm not doing any work. There's a part of me that, that feels that I want to work for my happiness, um, which I'm not sure is completely correct and all. But, but anyway, so like then recently I switched it over to um, what I'm saying now is, um, is basically get happier. You know, that's my mantra. So I'll say it over and over. And, um, and so while I'm saying it, you know, and the, the difference between that and the, the I feel completely happy is one, I'm not lying to myself, right? And two, it, um, it's a command. It's a directive. It, it's basically telling me that that is my work. That is, you know, my work for at least the, the time that I'm meditating, at least the time that I'm, um, you know, repeating this mantra. And so like, that's just one component. So I'm saying to myself, get happier. But as I'm doing that, I'm also, you know, consciously, actively trying to summon up that feeling of happiness. Now, I think people can relate to this. In other words, like if somebody asked us to like to become angry, you know, we could, I think, tap into that emotion. We could like, you know, think of things that make us angry or to become fearful. I think we could think of things that make us afraid. So it's the same thing. So like if we ask ourselves to, to feel, you know, to get in touch with happiness, we can do that. We, get, we can get in touch with that emotion. Um, one way to do this is, for example, yeah, to, um, to remember something in the past, an event that made us really happy, a person, you know, whatever. But, all right, so like, so, but what I discovered is like, sometimes while remembering something in the past or imagining something in the future that's going to make us happier is a good way to evoke or summon up that feeling of happiness. Ideally, that once... Once you've learned how to do that, then the next step is to kind of like learn to just access that feeling of happiness um, directly without having to remember anything in the past. And I, we can do that. Um, there was an experiment that showed that most people like when they were asked like on their body, what part of their body is most active when they feel happy? And, and most people it was actually like the head area, the face and the, the upper chest area around the heart and all. So, you know, one can focus on these areas if it helps. But, but so that's, you know, this is like a direct means. In other words, like it's a way to train oneself to access, access one's happiness directly, not having to depend on these indirect means of like, you know, of spending time with people. I mean, these things are good, you know, or, or, or like working on projects. Again, these things are good, like being with people is, is excellent, but a lot of times, you know, people aren't available or sometimes it's just not wise to, to place one's happiness um, in the domain of an area of life where one doesn't have complete control. You know, in other words, like, because sometimes people make us happy, sometimes they don't as much and all, like, you know, sometimes our work makes us happy, sometimes it doesn't, right? So, all right, so like, so this is, this is the basic uh, technique, accessing one's happiness directly. And, and then like what, what one does, the reason people aren't as happy as we could be is because very few people, if anybody actually, you know, because I'm just beginning with this, knows how to, how to access happiness directly at will. So it's training people to like, you know, you want to feel happier, you just simply summon up that, that um, feeling. And with the meditation, so what happens is like, 
So I'm meditating, you know, saying the get happier. Um, and with meditation, again, it's about focus. So, you, so, you know, I focus on the feeling of happiness. And with meditation, it's about maintaining that focus. So I maintain, I try to prolong my focus on the feeling of happiness. And then the other component is that as long as I'm focused on feeling happy, then I might as well also focus on trying to feel happier. So I'll try to strengthen that feeling. You know, I think like with anger, sadness, I, we can feel a little angry, we can feel very angry, we can feel a little sad, we can feel very sad. Same thing with happiness. We can feel a little happy, we can feel very happy. And it's, it's, it's about training ourselves to, to work, you know, to, to more easily and more effectively, uh, more efficiently, you know, not just become happy, but become very happy. Okay, guys, I've said a lot. Um, what, do you, yeah. what do you think of it so far? Yeah, well, what's interesting, George, what you said about how it's not good to, you know, like have happiness depend, you know, like on being around other people because, you know, those people may not always be available. Um, that's, that, that's very true. But th what you're saying here, George, is actually some new stuff to me because I've heard a lot of stuff, but this sounds pretty new to me, this idea that, that there's a happiness that somebody could access, like that somehow they could tap into their happiness and, re and intentionally bring emotions to them somehow. Yes, because, I mean, you know, in the happiness literature and in, in like, you know, for example, my former co-host Lionel Ketchin has this happiness club, and his focus is that happiness is the decision. It's a choice. We either choose to be happy or we choose to be worried or we choose to be sad, and that makes a lot of sense. But the problem with that is that, like, all right, let's say I say to myself, all right, I choose to be very happy. It, it's not going to, like, work so that, like, instantly after that I, I become very happy for every moment of, of my life after that. So, like, with, with all these things, and, and the other thing about happiness is, like, I could tell you a lot of things, ways to become happier, but chances are with, with most, if not all of them, you already know these things, you know? So it's not like we don't know how to become happier, but we just don't know these things well enough. So like with this, you know, so basically with this technique of becoming happier, it's kind of like, for example, we can, we can learn, um, we can read a books on, on how to play piano, how to, you know, play piano well, but unless we practice, there's no way we're going to learn how to like actually be a good pianist. So like with this, it's basically just the idea that, um, yeah, we learn this technique, but the second component is to practice it, to, to practice it, you know, on a daily basis, routinely, to, to practice the skill of just, like, being happy simply because, not for any other reason, but because we, it feels good to feel, be happy. You know, not because we we're achieving any goal, not because we're with people or whatever, just, just happiness for its own sake. Yeah, well, George, there's something that I think needs to be clarified because I'm a little confused here because, you know, you mentioned that guy who was saying that, like, you know, happiness is a choice. We either choose to be happy or not to, which is bizarre because, I mean, since we know we don't have a free will, um, it seems a little bit – the language of that seems a little confusing to me because um, I – like, I think I, I'm trying to figure out what someone means by that because obviously everybody would choose to be happy. You know, if it was, it was like a choice, like, what, Jamie? Uh, no, that was my brother to worry about. Oh, that's Jamie's brother. Yeah. Um, but what I was saying is like this, I, if people 
hear the statement happiness is a choice, well then they might misinterpret that and think that, oh, we can of our free will just choose to magically be happy. So perhaps we could, maybe you could clarify exactly what that means. Well, absolutely. It's not like we freely choose to, to feel happy. In other words, like somebody who's attended Lionel Ketchin's meeting in Fairfield, Connecticut, they have the causal history to allow them to make that choice. First, they've heard about it, you know, and then they like Lionel has maybe explained it to them and then maybe they understand it. So they like their history, their, their experiences have led them to, um, to consider the choice and hopefully they've been lucky enough to make the choice. For example, if, if we want to become a vegetarian or a vegan, you know, it's a choice, but it's not really up to us. It's basically like, you know, we've heard some information or learned some information about how we treat animals and that has caused us to, um, to therefore like, you know, make that choice. So it's not a fundamental, it's not like we're fundamentally, you know, freely choosing to, um, to feel very happy because again, we can't really do that with anything, but colloquially, you know, we're, we're, we're actually like, you know, we're, we're basically, you know, choosing the universe is allowing us to choose this and allowing us to understand the benefit of choosing it and allowing us to practice this. So that's right. a good point. And that's, what's interesting about it is that part of the problem why the language of choice gets confusing is because even if, you know, it's called a choice in human society to go to go vegan, for example. Um, well, it was inevitably going to happen, given the prior causes that I didn't want to contribute to animal suffering. And similarly, if somebody chooses happiness, then that's because they have the information given to them on how to tap into that happiness and the fact that everybody wants to be happy already. Everybody wants to be happy. That's kind of the point. So it's sort of it's sort of confusing because that word choice just really confuses people because then they think, oh, well, it's just a choice. We'll just we'll just choose to be happy, you know. And and then they and then what they're doing, George, when they do that, as soon as they conflate it with like a free choice or something, then that means that they don't need your advice and happiness because then they think they're freely choosing it. So yeah. It's always good for us to clarify that particular thing there. <laughs> right. And actually, Chandler, I mean, so like, you know, so like this, this podcast gets on the Internet. Let's say two different people listen to it. One person, you know, kind of like, you know, understands it, appreciates it, sees, sees its value. And then is by that, you know, is kind of like compelled by the universe to choose to, um, to, to exercise it, to develop it. Right. Another person may not be convinced. Another person, because of their past history, their past learning, their past genetics and environment, may not believe it. So they wouldn't. But but with that first person, so absolutely, yeah. Because I mean, we have to, like, you know, for example, like when we have a, a deck of cards, you know, pick one out at random, choose one at random. I mean, we 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 use this word choice colloquially, you know, uh, like in other words, like. If if um if we're at the dinner table, do you, do we want um Coke or Pepsi or or you know what you know? In other words, we're called upon to make choices all the time. We understand they're not fundamentally up to us, but it's like a necessary convention. So yeah, so absolutely. With this, um, basically, we are you know quote unquote choosing to feel happy moment by moment instead of like waiting for this happiness to come to us as a result of activities that, you know, a lot of times, again, in, in more cases than not, 
they either lead to just a marginal happiness or a lot, sometimes they don't work very much, they're very well at all. Right. So I think what we're getting at is that it's, it's something that can be practiced. It's something that can be learned, like playing the piano, that isn't something that just, you know, happens randomly and that it's still, it's something that we can work on and that sort of thing. And I think that's what you're getting at is that it's, a, is that it's not a past thing, but active things that there are ways, whether that is through playing the piano or watching a funny movie or transcendental meditation or whatever that might be, that they find the way to cause happiness. Right. So this is like, you know, most ways are very indirect. Most ways are kind of like, you know, you know, um, get a promotion, make more money, um, you know, spend a lot of time, you know, on uh, working on various goals and all. And again, while these, um, while these methods are effective, you know, based on the research, they're not nearly as effective as they could be. Again, the, the average level of happiness here in the United States is only 70%. So this is a way to train people to access their happiness in a way that depends on nothing but their wanting to feel happier. You know, we, we all have the ability to focus on the feeling of happiness. We all have the ability to maintain that focus. And that's what meditation teaches us. You know, we can apply this basic principle of meditation to the practice of like, once we're, we've accessed this happiness, you know, there's really no good reason to let go of it. You know, because we can do whatever we need to do, um, feeling happy or not feeling as happy and all. So it's basically teaching humanity, teaching human beings a skill that, that just have, has not been taught yet. You know, it hasn't been developed, um, you know, in, into this kind of an art, this kind of a practice, to, so, that, so that one's happiness is under one's control, you know, much more so than, than through the other means. Right. And, and as far as, you know, in, the, in their control, what's interesting about it is because even though fundamentally we understand that we're, we don't control anything, but I think when people talk about this kind of control, what they mean is that that person, independently of other humans, perhaps, um, they can work on their happiness and they will not always be looking for other people to make them happy. Other people or other circumstances, right? I mean, like the number one, when you ask people like, what's going to make you happier? The number one answer is more money. However, <laughs> for, for most people, like, you know, uh, most people above, once people are making above a certain income, they can make as much more money as, as they can, and that money isn't going to influence their happiness, or, or the influence is going to be so marginal that, as to not make a difference. So, like, Basically, we have a lot of myths as to what makes us happier, and so people spend a lot of time, waste a lot of time, you know, through education. People think, well, you know, I'm going to be happier as a Ph.D. than I would be as having, getting a master's degree, and I'm going to be happier with a master's than I would with a bachelor's, and I'm going to be happier with a bachelor's than I would with a, a high school um, diploma, and these things are simply not true. You know, people say, I'm going to be happier... Um, you know, if I'm more intelligent, no, that doesn't work. So, like, there's so many myths about happiness that, um, that all, again, all, they, they all revolve around, well, if I do this, if I have this, I'm going to be happier. And these, you know, the, the effects of them are actually very marginal. So this is a, a way to very effectively, you know, um, put happiness in our hands in, in a way that really works. I mean, like, it, it really is powerful. Yeah, and what's very interesting about it is, for example, 
Aside from the fact that those things have a very small impact on our happiness, there's also the fact that it's not really up to somebody um, how much money they make. You know, it's sort of like, you know, my mom, you know, she put an ad in the paper advertising, you know, that she teaches music lessons, but that doesn't mean that she can make those people call her and, and get started, at, you know, with lessons. You know what I'm saying? So, obviously, if it depends on how much money you make, well, that's a problem because then that means poor people can't get happiness. And even a poor tailor is entitled to some happiness. <laughs> Absolutely. Chandler, that's a great point. Like, a lot of people get married. Um, getting married people are slightly happier than, than people who are single. But, you know, like the, the divorce rate here in the United States is over 50 percent. So you can't rely on like even even married relationships a lot. So so, yes. So basically it's 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 like taking your happiness away from things you can't control, as you were saying, and bringing them to thing to to what you can control uh, and simply just like wanting to be happy again, not not the happiness it's not because we're doing something because we are something because we have something. Happiness, only, you know, because it feels good. You know, what I'm trying to say is like a lot of times, like, let's say, um, let's say, you know, I, I published a book a while back. And so I'm saying to myself, all right, I'm, I feel happy that I published the book. I feel happily, happy about publishing the book. All right. But again, that, that's, that's being happy because of something. It's indirect. So like yeah. we want to switch from like from feeling happy. I mean, it's not that we can't feel happy for these things also, but like for our, for our strongest happiness to simply feel happy because it feels good to feel happy. You know, we, we need no other reason. And that's the most direct way to access our happiness. Yeah, I get what you're saying. To be happy for the sake of it rather than it being an, an indirect effect of other things that we do. Exactly. Yeah, and we and we haven't let Jamie say too much. We've been doing too much of the talking. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of that is to do with the fact that I don't really have much to say on this. That's it. Sure, if I've been listening to um, George Ortega's points, I mean, he was talking about like um, divorce rates and all that stuff. Um, you know, then getting married doesn't necessarily make you happy. You know. Yeah, Jamie. Yeah. You, I mean, like you. You might want to once we upload this. You might want to listen to this podcast again because um basically it's 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 you know a lot of times like sometimes we get depressed and all and certainly sometimes antidepressants work sometimes cognitive therapy cognitive theory works we can we can change our thoughts and all but this is a very effective means of getting better and better and better at becoming happier simply by by summoning up the feeling i mean so like it, it's much less complicated than the other kinds of ways that we have, even like through therapy and through medicine, of becoming happier. Yeah, I suppose um, you know, trying not to get involved with too many arguments um, would be uh, a good course of action. Because Chan Chan told me that he was irritated about um, names that people have been calling him, and uh, you remember a few months going back, um, I had this problem myself, didn't I? Uh, and I'm thinking, Chandler, um, you might want to take a break from speaking on these abortion and animal rights issues because they're not they're not really affecting they're not really helping your mood. You know? Well, here's the thing, Jamie. Like, let's say yeah. with Chandler working on that, and let's say you know, some. I mean, to the extent we become happier, 
we can actually engage in these discussions. And if we're telling ourselves, I feel really happy, and if it's working, if we're tapped into that feeling, then all of a sudden, you know, people might call us names, people might not get it, people might say really stupid things and all, but that's, they're not going to affect us because we're really happy. Have you ever had some a kind of a day where, like, you're feeling so good that nothing can get you down? That's the kind of happiness we want to cultivate. I see, yeah. Uh... I mean, you're able, to tolerate, you're able to tolerate these things far more than me and Chandler can. I mean, um, when people send these things to you, you just, um, you just don't read a message, do you? I mean, I mean this, right, Lee, so this Lee Houston guy, he accused you of encouraging child abuse and all this, you know, rubbish, you know. Right. I mean, he, that was the reason is because, like, I was trying to, like, teach people that, like, even with kids, if we teach them that... Um, that we don't have a free will, that it's going to be uh, to their benefit and all. So, yeah, there's a lot of people who just, like, aren't very intelligent, misconstrue things and all. So, like, with me, like, with those kinds of um, messages, it's not that I'm any better than you at, at not, allowing them, not allowing them to disturb me sometimes. I just don't allow, I don't read them, you know, because I, if I know they may disturb me, why, you know. And this is the same thing with, with our thoughts in general. If we know that having certain thoughts are going to upset us, why have them? You know, what, why, why not rather choose to just, like, keep our mind focused on, on happy thoughts? Yeah, and, you know, I think Jamie has a point, too, because I probably do need to focus more for a while on the area of happiness and how to tap into my happiness, because I have already done a whole bunch of, of writing and speaking on the abortion and animal rights issues, but maybe it's time for a little vac vacation and learn how to access the happiness so that I can come back stronger than ever and do it with a happy attitude. That yeah, sounds excellent. Yes. Yeah, because a while back um, I was discussing really sensitive issues as well, and that was partly the reason why I've been getting a lot of criticisms, you know. So I don't want to you know, go back to that, you know, because I just don't like arguments. <laughs> yeah, and you know what, um, guys? Um, Really, happiness is pro-life because happy people don't don't kill themselves. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Excellent. Yes. Yeah. And we, okay, we just passed 30 minutes, so perhaps we should end this one. But this has been really awesome about how to tap into happiness, and we'll want to go back and listen to this once I get it uploaded. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. So, did you want to close it, George, or? Oh, yeah. All right. So thanks, everybody. So like this has been like impersonal opinions with Chandler Klebs, uh, Jamie Soden and George Ortega. We'll, we'll be back with with other episodes soon. Thanks.